Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. My name is Peter Rebell, and I'm the co-host of this show. And my name is Tyler Buckingham. I'm the other co-host. Well, Tyler, as you know, uh, along the coast of the United States and all along the American Shoreline, uh, a lot of tourism happens. A lot of visitors come to the shoreline to fish and recreate, and uh, so many people coming to towns that they don't live in and don't know well. And it's a big challenge for local government officials, chambers of commerce, and cities and counties trying to figure out how to get all of these people organized and so they can have a great time. Well, we've got a great guest today to talk about how that system can work best for coastal communities. His name is Joe Falcone, and he is the CEO and the founder of Fondini Partners. Uh, Joe, welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, uh, really looking forward to getting into it with Joe. Joe comes for, to us from what we are now calling the Silicon Coast, uh, up in, which actually I think refers to a different part of California. But uh, for us, we're, ta- we're talking about this area near San Francisco, near the Silicon Valley, and... Joe has done some really interesting work uh, bringing technology to the shoreline, and we look forward to getting into it. But before we do, Peter, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. We are very happy to have as a sponsor on the American Shoreline Podcast Network and for Coastal News Today, the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association. And we want all our listeners out there to know about the upcoming National ASBPA Conference, October 22nd to 25th in the beautiful city of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's right. This year's conference is called Where Coasts and Rivers Meet. It promises to be a great uh, event. Poster abstracts are now being accepted. Uh, Get them in before September 6th. The clock is ticking. And let me also say that yours truly, Peter Ravella, Tyler Buggins, we will be there. We will be at this conference. We are are the exclusive uh, podcasting partners of the American Shore and Breach Preservation Association. And it's going to be a great, it's always a great conference uh, for local government folks, for uh, uh, everybody who works, recreates, and uh, is professionally engaged on the American shoreline. The best conference in the country, I think, the ASBPA National Conference, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Find it, find the conference information, get registered at ASBPA.org. All right, Joe. Well, let's just dive right in. I think the best way to start with this is to learn a little bit more about you and about the community in which you live. So why don't you uh, give us a little bit about your uh, history and how you came to live on the American shoreline? Well, I'm originally from Glendale, California, which is uh, not anywhere near the the coast of Los Angeles. But uh, when I was a kid, we would always go off to Santa Monica Beach and uh, enjoy the the shore there. And my dad was uh, a keen fisherman, uh, even going back to when my family uh, was in Buffalo, New York and fishing in Lake Erie. And uh, so we uh, had a kind of a journey. Uh, My wife and I met at at UC Berkeley and uh, moved to Boston, another go Bears. big, <laughs> yes, go Bears, <laughs> another, another uh, great uh, maritime community. And then from there, we lived in Glasgow, Scotland for a couple of years, another community with big maritime history. And um, then eventually worked our way back to Santa Cruz and then to uh, Half Moon Bay, which is, uh, you referred to it as the Silicon Coast. It's, we call it the Coast Side or the San Mateo County Coast Sider, and we call ourselves Coast Siders. And um, 
Uh, we moved here about 20 years ago, uh, which makes us relative newcomers. Uh, people move here and stay here for life, you know, kind of thing. It is a wonderful location, um, beautiful climate. Uh, when it's 90 degrees over in, say, San Mateo or uh, over in Oakland or one of those places, it'll be like 70 here. So it's very comfortable, very pleasant here. Sounds idyllic, uh, I gotta say. And uh, t- t- tell me a little, tell me a little bit more about the uh, the community itself there in Half Moon Bay. And I understand you 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 reference this kind of coastside identity uh, of not just Half Moon Bay, but this area from uh, Pacifica, I believe, all the way down to uh, Santa Cruz. Tell me about this area. What's it What's it look like? Uh, What are the people like? What do they do? Well, going back uh, to when I I actually started working at Hewlett Packard in uh, 1980, after I graduated from Cal, um, uh, groups of us would uh, come over the hill, as we call it, uh, because you you have to cross a a piece of the coast range. So we're separated from. Uh, San Francisco, or even separated from Pacifica, with a piece of the coast range uh, through which actually the San Andreas Fault runs. And uh, so to get here, you have to pop over a hill with kind of a thin, windy road. And uh, we would come out here, and it was like leaving all your cares behind because you were in this, you were, uh, especially back in those days, there were no cell phones. So you left the office and you were on your own out here uh, with your friends and having some beers and some seafood and things like that. And and to this day, that's a part of the style of this area. You know, the small restaurants, small bars, uh, some larger ones now, but um, very casual. And the fact that we're so close Uh, I explained that we're probably about half an hour. My house is about half an hour from Facebook headquarters. uh, And yet, geographically isolated from Silicon Valley and, of course, having the ocean as your uh, front yard uh, makes it uh, really ideal. And we're actually like maybe about 20 minutes from San Francisco airport. So back in... The 60s and 70s, as the airport grew and air travel grew with jet jets and the like, uh, this became a, a, a big area for uh, airline employees and pilots and flight attendants to stay. So it was very common when you asked someone, uh, you know, serving you on an airplane or you asked the pilot where they lived, it was very common to hear them say Half Moon Bay or Al Granada or Moss Beach or Montara. Because, you know, if you had three days off, four days off, it's a beautiful place to have three or four days off, you know, before you go back on your ships. So uh, that was one of the interesting things about it as I as I got to learn about the area. Well, it is one of the most beautiful uh, parts of the California coast. I was there last year. My niece got married in Half Moon Bay and uh, absolutely enjoyed spending a few days in that beautiful place and that beautiful shoreline. Uh, so you've been there for some time. You came out of Hewlett Packard in the tech industry and founded Fondini Partners. And I'm going to spell that for the folks out there. Folks, it's P-H-O-N as in Fondini, D-I-N-I, Partners. And this company is using new technology, mobile applications, and social media to better engage community visitors in, in, in uh 
places along the American shoreline. Can you tell us what inspired you to start Fondini and introduce our listeners to what this company is trying to do? Well, it was a funny story. Uh, I, I was originally involved in mobile technology with a company called Hippocrates back in around 2000. So that's almost kind of hard to believe 20 years ago. And you might ask, what was mobile technology in 2000? And it was the Palm. Uh, anyone remembers that device? And we sure, did the Palm. The Palm Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we did applications for that. And so, Fast forward to about 2010, 2011, and uh, one Christmas I turned to my wife and I said, you know, this iPhone thing doesn't seem to be going away. And, uh, you know, the iPhone had been uh, introduced, uh, I think, uh, two years before. And I I saw it and I, I didn't have an iPhone at the time. I had a Nokia smartphone. And I looked at it and I said, there's something about this. I don't know what it is. And uh, the, the funny thing was that I thought we were too late. I thought we were entering this smartphone business too late because smartphones had actually been along, around a long time. And uh, as we were getting into it, and uh, our first client, in fact, was our local pumpkin festival. So one of the first things you learn when you move to Hafun Bay is we have three principal products. Uh, four actually we have brussels sprouts so this is one of the before they genetically modified or crossbred brussels sprouts there were two places in the world where you grew them one was here and the other was brussels because of the climate Uh, now they have varieties that can take hotter temperatures but the traditional brussels sprout needs a climate like what we have here with the coastal fog and and the like Uh, christmas trees we grow christmas trees here we do pumpkins and we do artichokes. So that is uh, our agricultural heritage is on that. And we've had a pumpkin festival for, oh gosh, oh, I think over 40 years now, um, which is a two day arts festival. And they asked us uh, if we would do, be willing, which is quite leading edge of them, if you think about it, in 2012 to do a mobile app for them. We'll, we'll be doing another mobile app for them this year. So every year since then, we've done it. And um, that got us into it. And from there, we did the mobile app for uh, the Chamber of Commerce and Visitor Bureau, iCoastside, and uh, parlayed that, started doing work for other communities uh, and the county. And it just kind of spiraled from there. And we focus on, we're a small boutique company. We focus on on our relations with our customers. Obviously, we can have very close relations with what they're doing uh, on a project. And uh, we do mobile applications. We do websites. Uh, we do social media. And uh, we've, we've gotten involved in the community in many different ways. Personally, I was actually on the planning commission for three years. So even got got involved in that. But the bottom line is there's only about 30,000 people. Once you get south of Pacifica, there's only about 30,000 people between uh, the Tom Lantos Tunnel and uh, Santa Cruz. So there aren't a lot of people here versus the, I don't know what it is now, six, seven, eight million in the greater Bay Area. So we're this anomalous little spot on the map. 
That's what's that's what makes it special. Exactly. Well, you know, I, so you're working at this intersection of coastal communities and festivals and tourism and technology. And uh, the Fondini Partners description is that you guys build mobile applications and social media for the entertainment, community, government, and commercial sectors. So you're working with nonprofit organizations or with the, as you said, the San Mateo, I think Harbor District is a client of yours. So if somebody were coming to the Pumpkin Festival, what, they download the Pumpkin Festival app, why is that an important thing to do? And why would that be something, for example, I would say in South Padre or a spring break town, to have a festival or a spring break application? What, is these, what do these apps do? What are they for? What, why would I want one if I was coming to the Pumpkin Festival? Well, it puts the uh, uh, what's going on in the festival in your pocket, as we, we said in the beginning. And so uh, our festival is an arts festival as well as celebrating the, everything about the pumpkin. So you have we, – we have a juried um, art um, competition where we – well, we select – uh, artists to participate from people that that submit, and so we have a very very <clears throat> wide variety of artists who come. And one of the first things people ask is, um, "I, you know, I want to look for glass pumpkins, or I want to look for coastal landscape pictures." So one of the things you can do with our app is you can look up by category, different kinds of artists. And then you can push this magic button, which causes a little dot to flash on a map of the, the festival and tells you where that booth is. So you can go straight to that booth and not have to look through 400 booths to find the artists you're looking for. And people find this essential because the booths aren't necessarily, uh, for a particular artist, aren't necessarily in the same spot. Likewise, with the food, the, the food could be in different locations if you're looking for a uh, corn dog or what have you. Um, and then we have the music schedule. We have events like uh, pie-eating contests. Um there's a parade. Um, so there's a lot of different events. You've got the schedule there telling you when it's all happening so you can be in the right place at the right time. We also have a parking, the parking pumpkin. The parking pumpkin is a crowdsourced um, uh, listing directory of where there are free parking locations. Well, not free in cost, but available, I should say. And uh, so we... We have nonprofits that handle managed parking lots to make a little money. And so we tell the people that run the parking lots, <clears throat> when you have available spaces, um, enter it into our app so it'll show up on the directory so that people know that they can go straight to your lot and get a free spot there. So it's involved with almost everything in, in, in that you could think of with a festival. And then... On top of that, because we are swarmed with people, so as I said, the city of Half Moon Bay itself, where the Pumpkin Festival happens, is only about 12,000 people. And we, uh, estimates are between 100,000 and 200,000 people come for the festival. It, 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 it floods the cell phone networks. So uh, unlike, say, something like Yelp, where... 
it asks to go to the cloud to get information, our app is self-contained. So when you look up that artist, it's all working inside the phone. It doesn't have to communicate on a network. So it all works without connecting to the network. So that that's essential in this kind of environment. Right, because you need to download, you need all that information in your pocket uh, because you're not going to be able to stream in additional information because of the poor uh, cell phone coverage. So it's important that's all in there. And also people today are so reliant on technology. And, and Joe, I want to dive into uh, a little bit on how you work with uh, the festival and your other uh, partners and clients there uh, in the area. But first, Peter, I want to uh, do a quick uh, sponsorship uh, read for the Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association meeting coming up. Well, this is really another important meeting for coastal professionals all around America. The Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association annual meeting is one of the premier. This is the state chapter meeting of ASBPA, but Florida is a leading state on coastal engineering and coastal policy. The FSBPA conference this year is September 18th to the 20th in Hutchison Island, Florida, a beautiful spot, and we are going to be attending that uh, conference, uh, supported by and sponsored by TI Coastal Services, which we are so glad our to old have, friend, our old friends having are sponsoring the coverage of FSBPA's conference this year. We are so happy and want to thank Chris Gibson and his team at TI Coastal because they're a great firm. And uh, this this conference coverage will be will be really super good. Uh, we'll be talking to the keynote and keep. Uh, panelists at the meeting will be talking to participants broadcasting from the conference fsbpa's annual conference september 18th through the 20th in hutchison island find the information at fsbpa.com get registered and enjoy the fsbpa annual conference in hutchison shores resort all right joe so you know i'm i am curious how you uh work with uh, the, the organizers uh, to create these apps because um, presumably the people that throw the pumpkin festival aren't uh, technologists, even though they live uh, so close to the Silicon Valley. And I'm curious to know uh, how you consult with them and advise them and, and to what degree does the app influence the organization of the uh, festival itself? Well, the... The the content for the festival is usually, and, and as far as the Pumpkin Festival goes, they do a very good job of organizing content on a website. And so we coordinate or synchronize our content with the website, and then we add more to it. Like I said, we have this interactive map. We have the park, parking pumpkin and various other features on it. One of the things we have is push notifications, which you've probably seen from various other newspapers and, and uh, services out there. And we use those to uh, inform the public as to what's going on at different times. It also, in terms of influencing how things are organized, we now sit in the um, first responders organizing meeting, um, which has been an interesting 
place to be because we're organizing this large festival. We are, we're a small community. And one of the things we provide is we give access to the push notifications to the sheriff's office so that if they need to send an alert out to the community, this is yet another tool they can use, which will reach everyone who's running, you know, who's installed our app. And so if there's a lost child or a traffic situation or, or some other uh, alert that needs to be sent out, this is another way they have of communicating with people. Uh, likewise with the parking, you know, we're in as as many ways as possible trying to integrate with the, the, the organization to help out with the areas where, which are more challenging, you know, parking being a main one in there. And, uh, so that's, that's part of what, what, what we do with all this. We also, uh, do a contest, which encourages people to browse through the app where they can win a gift card. And uh, every year, it's a lot of fun to contact the people. Uh, we have two contests, actually. One of them, we have uh, one of the world's uh, most important uh, giant pumpkin contests here, actually, as well. And so, of course, we have a contest to guess the weight of the winning giant pumpkin. And it could be 1,200 pounds, 1,500 pounds what have you. And um, so people put in their guesses and then it's a lot of fun to contact the people afterwards and say, you won. And people are always like, wow, that's fantastic. And, uh, and it's, and it's interesting to see what people guess and all that. So it's, again, where we try to integrate whatever we're doing into what is the most important uh, activities going on with the festival, with the community. Well, Joe, it sounds like you know we're talking about uh, the user experience and about the visitor experience in these resort towns. And uh, San Mateo and uh, Half Moon Bay are not different in the sense of having a relatively small year-round population and then these massive, intense influxes of visitors. Uh, and it just seems to me that this approach, and I've seen bits and pieces of this in coastal communities around America, but never an application as thoroughly developed as what you're doing. And, uh, you know, for spring break or for Fourth of July weekend in beach towns all along the American shoreline where there's tens of thousands of people coming to the shoreline, it is about access to water and food and parking and how do you get to the beach and where the where the where 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 the access and the and and the and the and rec- public safety communication yeah, too. Yeah, the public safety communication. You also integrate weather. I mean, I think that this what you're doing is going to be extremely helpful to lots of beach towns. And I know the pumpkin festival isn't necessarily sound like a beach kind of thing, but let, so let's talk about Fishline, which is the other mobile application that you've developed that I think is really an exciting uh, way to connect. Uh, fishermen and their customers directly. Tell our listeners about the Fishline mobile app. Well, Fishline came out of our community app, iCoastSide, uh, which, as you mentioned, has is probably the most comprehensive um, app for locals and tourists for a small coastal community anywhere in the country. Um, 
I think our range of services, as you mentioned, everything from weather and tides and surf report to, you know, even earthquake information and and county alerts and and restaurant listings and and beach listings and the link to the local newspaper and so on. Well, one thing that we didn't have was a connection to our local harbor and. Our uh, my colleague Dan Blick uh, observed in 2012 that even though the fishermen uh, were hauling in some really nice wild king salmon, and which you, if you haven't had it, uh, you got to come out to the Pacific Coast and try it. Um, it's uh, it's quite a delicacy, but people weren't buying it because we had just been through several moratoriums on fishing. Uh, because of drought and other conditions. Right. And and let me just interrupt for just one second, because I want to go further into fish line. But this year is a record king salmon year in the past five years on the California coast in your area. Yes. Uh, the, apparently the end of the drought, the rains and the snows have really improved conditions. They're catching more king salmon, which is, you know, that's named king salmon because it's considered the, the top, the top delectable salmon species by a lot of people. Uh, but tell us about the fishery and what your app does to connect the customers to these fishermen out there. Yeah, so uh, the idea was to uh, communicate with a kind of a new audience, an audience carrying smartphones, that uh, the fishermen had king salmon available. Here was the price. Here's where they're going to be selling at the harbor. And our harbor has a unique, at the time, uh, now it's become a little more common in California because of legislation, but we were, I think, one of the first harbors that allowed direct fishermen to consumer uh, sales of fish. Uh, this is with whole fish, so that was one of the one of the restrictions, so the fishermen themselves couldn't cut it up, but you could bring it to a fish market and have them fillet it for you. But the fishermen could sell you these beautiful whole fish they just caught, and all you had to do was drive down to the harbor, and that was the key because it's like a half hour, 45 minute, one hour, one and a half hour drive from different parts of the Bay Area to our harbor here. So last thing you want to do is hop in the car, come out here, and find that there's no fish. So with the capability we developed, the fishermen could notify us that they had fish to sell. We would then put that on our initially our coastside app, but eventually we spun it out into our fish line app. And you could then look and see, oh, uh, there's five fishermen selling salmon. Uh, one of them has a phone number listed. I'll give them a call. Maybe you can set aside two for me. Head down to the harbor pick them with my cooler and my ice, head down to the harbor, buy the fish, head home and have a, have a big party. And that's a, you know, it's a, it's a big deal for a lot of people. I mean, uh, a lot of old, both it's, it's fascinating seeing the people, you know, you have everything from old time California families from, every ethnicity to new immigrants for whom, you know, buying whole fish is like a, a, a significant cultural thing for them. You know, they, they want to see the fish. They want to, they want to actually look in the hold and pick a particular fish and, and everyone's there coming to the harbor and you can see all these people with their, 
garbage bags of ice and coolers on wheels and all this. And they're just the smiles, the excitement. It is the, the happiest people in the world, you know, when they have you know, two or three of these beautiful fish. And it's not just salmon. We have uh, different, we have ground fish. We have different kinds of, of crab. Uh, of course, again, our, our big crab here is Dungeness crab. And we're, we're going to be entering that season in around October, November. And that's the same kind of deal. People want to know, are there crab, you know, and then, they find out and they head down again with their coolers and their garbage bags and everything and get those crab and head home and, and uh, get the water boiling. And it's, it's, you know, as I said, it's, it's fantastic to be able to, to facilitate this, which helps uh, continue these traditions, which have gone on at this Harbor, you know, for, for decades and uh, so it's it's wonderful to be to use technology to help continue these traditions. Yeah, and you know, Joe, what really stands out in my mind, uh, in addition to the fact that this is, of course, a win-win for the fishermen and for the uh, for the consumer, it's also a win for uh, the education of fisheries. Uh, it brings people to the waterfront, uh, to the wharf, to the actual harbor, which is a space that we've we've discussed this before on this program. But it's a space that can be a little uh, intimidating to go to. Uh, maybe it's a commercial area where uh, you don't, but you get to go. I mean, the, the, what's neat about this application and uh, bringing the marketplace right there to where the ships come in is that it. Uh, it connects people to the resource more directly. It connects the the consumer directly to the fisherman, who's connected directly to the fish. And um, I think that that I think that's a desirable uh, conservation of, of outcome as well. It's it, and it's a desirable food outcome. You're gonna get a better fish if you go right to the source and, like you said, you look in the hole and you pick out the one you want. That's a really um, awesome experience. And you don't want to take that hour long drive and find out that there are no fish. So, uh, it, it alleviates that problem too. Now, um, I also, what we're, we're talking here about the fish line app and, uh, that's obviously, um, a really interesting thing. Now, where, where is this app currently operational? Our, our audience is nationwide. Where should, who should be downloading this app? Well, the, the first people that, who sh that should be downloading it are fishermen. Any fishermen who want to sell directly to consumers, I tell them, and I've been to conferences actually all over the world, and I tell them, you know, download our app and then tell your customers to download the app. And then when you have fish to sell or shellfish to sell, uh, uh, put a listing on Fishline. And that way your customers will automatically know that you're, you have uh, direct sales. Or if, say, you sell to a particular shop, that your fish is in that particular uh, seafood market. And uh, we've been advocating this for years. It's used in some other locations in the country, but it's primarily used here because of our long tradition of off-the-boat sales. And I, and I should add as well, we have probably the least intimidating 
uh, harbor, fishing harbor uh, on the planet. Uh, it, it, it does not look industrial at all. It's really quite charming. Um, I remember a story from about Newport, Oregon, where they were going to put a fence around their fishing harbor because it was viewed as a commercial district and they didn't want to allow people to come in and they had to fight that to keep it open. And I think it's very important to keep these areas accessible and allow people to walk around. And and um, and it's, it's, it's so great to see people walking around, walking on the piers, talking to the fishermen, asking them questions. Of course, they're Oh, you know, if you need uh, to find out about how food's prepared, whatever, they can always give you recipes and things. But as I said, it was, I think, oh gosh, I think about four years ago, we opened up the app to anyone in the planet who wants to use it. So it uses GPS to designate where you're selling from and then your customers can see right there. It'll, it'll look for the closest fishermen that are selling uh, fish and and give you that listing. Let me see if I understand this. So the application is built in a way that folks in Mobile, Alabama or in Destin, Florida or up in the Carolinas who have uh, active and these are small, generally small independent fishermen who are using this application, not big processors. uh, Could they download this and, and begin to build this? Uh, fish line app uh, community in, in mobile i mean is it built that versatile that it can actually be used anywhere in the country if you get the uh, you get the players at the table yes yes we we opened it up completely it's it's completely free to use so there's no cost to create a listing and then there's no cost to access listings either so any fisherman seafood market or restaurant that is selling and our our only requirement is that they meet the fish line pledge which is that they are selling locally caught sustainable seafood that is our only thing is that don't pass off imports if it's locally caught sustainable seafood then list it uh, definitely list it, you know, whether you're a fisherman, a seafood market or a restaurant or a CSF, a community supported fishery. And uh, and then encourage your customers to download the app. And then whenever you've got uh, seafood for sale, put it on there. And it's a very I know there are fishermen out there that use mailing lists like email. Uh, some of them use text messaging. I don't know about you guys, but. I get like 100 emails a day, so having another email is not what I'm looking for. So I've encouraged people, you know, to switch to this because it's less intrusive and it allows you to, you know, update listings, put out new listings when you have new uh, species available. And uh, I think it's very convenient for both the, the fishermen and for the consumers. And, and it's, it's very, very popular here. Uh, and like I said, in a few other areas, they've, they've used it. But, um, you know, for the Bay Area, it's been absolutely critical because of our geography. And the travel time and getting to the harbor. And I will say that I have been down to that harbor when I was there, walked up and down those piers, talked to some of the fishermen. I talked to this magnificent a fisherwoman who was Portuguese. This was her father's fishing boat. She had inherited this and it was ma- she was making a living salmon fishing and ground fishing. And uh, the day that we spoke to her, she had brought in her catch for that day. She had a live well essentially 
strapped to the side of the boat over in the water. So the fish that she had caught were still alive and people were shopping for fish. And there were, you were right, there were a lot of people down there, a broad ethnic uh, diversity of people who want to buy whole fresh fish. And, you know, I don't, I suspect she used the app, but uh, it was amazing to me to see people uh, down in the wharf buying individual fish with their families. It, it was quite impressive. I was like, man, I didn't know this kind of stuff happened. I, I, I never people buy shrimp right off the boat. You can do that in Port Aransas and some of the good. Pretty ports. cool. Pretty cool. And but it's the ability that so do the fishermen typically when they're out and they've got a, a, a catch, are they loading that up on their way back to the dock and saying, hey, we've got we're coming in and we've got this beautiful 25 pound king salmon. Does anybody want it? Is that is it that direct? Well, it, usually they have more than one. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. If you're if you're in it to make a few bucks, anyway, yeah. Well, as soon as they, you know, some of them, as soon as they get cell coverage, they'll they'll pop in. You know, if they're if they're not at the wheel, right? They'll they'll uh, get someone to pop in the details of what they've caught so that people know. Uh, sometimes they're they're coming in, you know, like at four in the morning, so they'll wait until you know dawn before they they let people know, but. Uh, it's it's pretty amazing yeah and i think the um the the idea of um well let me let me put it in a different frame which is you've probably published articles maybe you've even done a podcast on traceability right and people want to know where did my seafood come from well do you really need to do that when you've just walked down to that fisherman and bought the fish off his boat no <laughs> you know exactly where it came from and what people do is they develop relationships with particular fishermen and they you know they like one versus another and they'll like when they see that this is what it comes down to it's almost like getting wine from a vineyard they when they see that a particular fisherman has brought in uh, some catch, they'll buy it from him and only from him or only from her. And they get very particular like that, that they they particularly like uh, uh, one guy versus another. I don't know if it makes that much difference because at the end of the day, they're all pretty much fishing in the same areas as the, the fish move around. But again, they develop these relationships. Maybe they get a price break from one guy. You know, maybe they get a buck off or something. But um, the bottom line is, you know where it's coming from and you know it's fresh. And uh, particularly in California, you know it's sustainable because we have the toughest fishing regulations on the planet in this state. So um, it, it's a win, like you said, it's a win-win-win. Totally, and it's so interesting to me that here we are. We've we've you've introduced this new technology. And it is actually taking us back to a, in a way, it's enabling us to go back to a simpler time when you would just go down to the wharf and go meet the fishermen and buy the fish right off the back of the boat. And that's a really interesting way that technology, uh, though it is certainly, you know, a future uh, uh, technology, that it brings us back to uh, maybe some simpler time that we uh, love deep down. And I do want to talk to you in a second here 
uh, Joe, about the trends that you are seeing uh, in these apps and and with mobile technology. But before we do, I want to have a quick word from our newest sponsor, the American Shoreline Podcast Network, the DHI Group. We are thrilled to welcome them aboard. DHI Group are the first people you should call when you have a tough challenge to solve in a water environment, be it a river, a reservoir, an ocean, a coastline, or an aquifer. Give the DHI Group a call. Uh, We are looking forward to running some of their blog posts on our site. Uh, We are looking forward to learning more about the DHI group in the coming weeks. Uh, But you can learn more about them right now by going to dhigroup.com. Yeah, thrilled to have DHI Group now as a sponsor on the American Shoreline Podcast Network, an international company of tremendous expertise, scientific and engineering expertise. And uh, we're looking forward to introducing them to our listeners on ASPN. Thank you very much to the DHI Group for joining as a sponsor of ASPN and Coastal News today. All right. So, Joe, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, trends that you are seeing in the technology space, specifically here, kind of integrating technology into communities and tourism. What what are you seeing uh, these days? Well, it's a continuation of the work we've done. We we were pioneer in a lot of areas. Uh, one one area that we pioneered in was uh, tracking of transit vehicles. We did a project for Laguna Beach in that. Uh, that was years ago when. Uh, definitely no small community could get into that uh, kind of area. Um, as I mentioned before, getting into all the environmental uh, factors um, in my my own home, <laughs> I, I, my own home is kind of a technology showcase. I even we have an airport here uh, as well. We have a small airport, and I have a, a, a receiver for the. Um, the uh, location transmissions for the airplane. So I have a display here that I can put on an app that shows where the uh, where the airplanes are in our area and where they're going and what kind of airplane it is. And and in, in fact, we just had an airplane ditch in the ocean uh, just this week. So um, there's so many different ways you can integrate. Um, you know, what they call the Internet of Things technology into um, the flow of information that you provide to your um, uh, locals and your visitors about the area. And, you know, an example, one example of this, what we're doing for the Harbor District, uh, we just took on the public outreach uh project for the San Mateo County Harbor District. And one of the things we're doing there is we are pushing onto social media anytime we get a small craft advisory, a gale warning, or a high tide or a low tide uh, alert from the National Weather Service. And this is a completely new thing. I was looking around to see if anyone else is doing this. And of course, uh, we were looking at it and going, well, I'm not going to enter that in every time there's a a gale alert, so a gale warning or whatever. So um, we actually, I actually programmed that into the cloud to automatically do that. So uh, at four in the morning, we check the net. This programming checks the National Weather Service, sees if we've got any of these weather alerts. 
pushes them out to social media. And then at 5 p.m., we check the tides for the next 24 hours, uh, for the following day, really. And we post the tide alerts so that if there's going to be a very high tide or very low tide, the low tide actually is we actually have we have tide pools here. So the low tide alert tells you it's a good day to go to the tide pools. And so that's a, another visitor visitor serving thing. So you get that alert the day before. So you'll know at five o'clock the day before, oh, I could go to the tide pools tomorrow. Um, so there's there's so many different pieces to well, what you can serve to your visitors and uh, and give them a better experience when they're coming to your community. So, Joe, one of the things that I think would be helpful uh, to think about is that so if you're a local community, what one of the cool things that Joe is doing here is he's taking data that already exists. It's it might be online somewhere already. And he's taking it and thinking very carefully about how to package it in a way that is useful and insightful for tourists, for residents, for everyone. So you notice parking information. Now that requires inputs, of course, because people leave spots and the the pumpkin festival in particular, you're talking about inputting data, but a lot of this weather data, uh, the surf data, wind data. Um, this is these are being compiled by other government agencies. Uh, the you know there's NOAA buoys offshore that are collecting the, the data. But what you're doing is you're taking that data and you're you're making it more easily accessible and actually putting it in front of people with notifications. Hey, listen, you're interested in tide pools. Tide pools are going to be great tomorrow. Here's an alert. That's the kind of packaging that that I think that these tech apps in particular and social media in particular can really help with. Yeah, and I want to just say, I think that uh, it is about making it available to visitors from out of town. People are generally coming to communities they're not familiar with. So the more you can uh, inform them as to how to enjoy the town, what's available, all of this stuff is fantastic. I got to think that the the folks who aren't real happy with this is the people who sit down in the booth at the visitor bureau with the stacks of pamphlets. That that's how it used to be done. You would come into town, you're like, "Gee whiz, I wonder if I can go fishing. Can I get on a boat? Can I? Where do I get to the water?" Uh, you know, that was the only. Remember the racks of pamphlets. Uh, this you don't need racks of pamphlets. What you need is these community engagement visitor applications, custom built for your your tourism town. And I just think you're onto something really great. That's exactly true. I mean, we we view what we're doing as a, a more ecologically uh, compatible way of conveying information. And you're absolutely right. I mean, some people say, well, why are you doing this? Someone could just go to this website. Well, as, as we all know, we're being flooded with information from so many different sources these days. And so I view, uh, I viewed, I have viewed my job for many, many years, actually, not just since I started Fondini, as how can we distill the information down in a way that the most important information is available to you in a timely manner and that you can then make your decisions based on that without having to visit, you know, five or ten websites and do lots of research into this versus that and 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 all sorts of things. So I think the uh, in, in the battle days it was uh, in computer science and in, in 
computer software. We called it decision support. And But we are, in effect, doing decision support for visitors and locals. You know, is this a good day to go to the? Is this a good day to go surfing? Is this a good day to buy fish? And we're we're doing decision support for that, uh, and and education. You know, um, we've been uh, very fortunate to be able to work with different groups on education, on water quality, on water safety, um, and push that information out to the public and get really positive reactions from people, which make me feel good because uh, I, I, I look at the Pacific Ocean and it's beautiful, but it's also very dangerous. And we, you know, we've really made it one of our goals for our public outreach project and also for Fishline to make people aware of, of the, uh, the dangers of the oceans and that water safety is a really, really important thing. Um, and we're, next week we're doing a funny video uh, that um, showed up in Sweden, of all places. And I don't know if you guys have run into this, but it's absolutely hilarious. And it's from their uh, lifeguard group. And that has a couple lifeguards going around the beach taking cell phones away from parents who are staring at their cell phones instead of watching their kids in the water. And so these guys are going around. They're just they're they're shaking their finger at the parents and pointing at the kids, taking their cell phones away and sticking them in their bag as they're walking on the beach. It happens. Safety. It's and a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, this is the reality of it, you know, and, and so we, we did another post, which was about how there should always be a designated watcher at a pool, at a lake, at a beach. And, and these guys suggested that the designated watcher wear a badge. And so when the designated watcher goes to the restroom he hands the badge off to the next designated watcher. And so there's always someone who is watching and you're passing the baton around. So there's always eyes on the kids. There's always eyes on the water. And that is, you know, these are great, simple little things. And it's so wonderful to be able to push this out to thousands of people and say, folks, here are some simple ways you can stay safe and have a great time in our community. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Joe Falcone, the CEO and founder of Fondini Partners in San Mateo and Half Moon Bay, California, uh, really on the cutting edge of visitor mobile application technology for all you beach towns and resort communities around the country. Joe, if folks are interested in the development of applications for their community, uh, how do they get in touch with Fondini Partners? Well, you can go to our website, Fondini.com, or just send me an email at joe at Fondini.com, and uh, we can uh, have a chat about uh, what your community needs in the way of, uh, of a mobile app or social media solutions. Decision support. Decision support for your visitors <laughs> and locals. Are we going, are we going surfing or are we going to do What are we doing today? Yeah, are we going to the bar? What's are we the plan? The bar? Let's look That's at the right. Sometimes, sometimes the best solution is to stay in the restaurant. 
go to the, go directly to the restaurant and spend your money. <laughs> Thanks a lot, uh, Joe, for joining us on the American Shoreline podcast. And uh, I hope you guys have the great last, I guess what, we got a, about a month of summer here. Uh, I guess the kids are going back to school, but uh, you know, the tourism uh, industry never slows down too much on the American Shoreline. I hope you guys have a great uh great uh rest of the summer and a great fall well thank you we're a year-round destination our pumpkin festival is in late october so uh keep us in mind whenever you're in california and uh, thank you thanks a lot it's been a pleasure thank you getting my car